are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I am reading and reflecting on this four-volume, 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to follow along, you can acquire your own four volumes from Tan Books. When you go over to their website, just use the code PODCAST15 at checkout and you'll save 15% off. And if you would like to discuss the podcast with others who are listening and reading along, you can join the Mystical City of God in a Year Facebook group and there participate in those conversations initiated by different listeners. Today is day 34, and we are reading from Volume 1, Book 1, Chapter 18, Paragraphs 265 to 273. Chapter 18 sequel of the mystery of the conception of the Most Holy Mary, as described in the second part of the 21st chapter of the Apocalypse. The further wording of the 21st chapter of the Apocalypse is as follows. And there came one of the seven angels, who had the vials full of the seven last plagues, and spoke with me, saying, Come, and I will show thee the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he took me up in spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God and the light thereof was like to a precious stone, as to the jasper stone, even as crystal. And it had a great wall and high, having twelve gates, and in the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that spoke with me had a measure of reed of gold to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall. And the city lieth in a four square, and the length thereof as it is great as the breadth, And he measured the city with the gold reed for the twelve thousand furlongs, and the length and the height and the breadth thereof are equal. And he measured the wall thereof a hundred and forty-four cubits, the measure of a man which is of an angel. And the buildings of the wall thereof was of jasper stone, but the city itself pure gold, like to pure glass. The angels of which the evangelist speaks in this place are seven, of those who attend in a special manner at the throne of God, and who have received commission and power to punish some of the sins of men. The vengeance of the wrath of the omnipotent, Apocalypse 15.1, will happen in the last ages of the world, but it shall be a new punishment, greater than which neither before nor after is possible during mortal existence. But since these mysteries are deeply hidden, and since not all have been revealed to me nor concern this history, I do not consider it proper to expatiate upon them, but I will pass on to what more closely concerns my task. This angel of which St. John speaks is the one through whom God will avenge with an especial and dreadful chastisement the injuries committed against his most holy mother, for the insane daring with which they have despised her had roused the indignation of his omnipotence. As the Most Holy Trinity has pledged itself to honor and exalt this Queen of Heaven above all human creatures, and above the angels, placing her in this world as the mirror of the divinity, and as a special mediatrix of mortals, God has taken it in a particular manner upon himself to avenge the heresies, errors, outrages, and all injuries committed against her, 
since thereby men have not glorified, acknowledged, and adored him in this tabernacle, and have not made use of this incomparable mercy. These punishments are prophesied to the Holy Church. Although the mysterious words of the Apocalypse enshrouded in obscurity the rigor of this punishment, yet woe to the unhappy ones that shall be overtaken by it. Woe to me who have offended a God so strong and powerful to chastise. I am overwhelmed in the expectation of the great calamity here threatened. The angel spoke to the evangelist, saying, Come, and I will show thee the bride, the wife of the Lamb. The angel declares in this passage that the holy city of Jerusalem, which he showed to him, is the espoused wife of the Lamb, referring by this metaphor, as I have already said in number 248, to the most holy Mary, whom St. John saw both as a mother, or woman, and as a spouse of the Lamb, that is Christ. The queen held and fulfilled in divine manner both offices. She was the spouse of the divinity, the only one, Canticle 6.8, and incomparable on account of the unequaled faith and love with which the espousals were entered into and accomplished. And she was the mother of the same Lord, incarnate, giving him his mortal substance and flesh, nourishing and sustaining him in his existence as man, which he derived from her. In order to see and understand such high mysteries, the evangelist was exalted in spirit to a great height of sanctity and light, for without going out of himself and being raised above human weakness, he could not understand them, just as we imperfect earthly and abject creatures cannot encompass them for the same reason. Then, elevated thus high, he says, He showed me the holy city of Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. For Mary was built up and formed not on earth, where she was like a pilgrim and a stranger, but in heaven, where the common earthly material was excluded. For though the material of her being was taken from the earth, it was at the same time so elevated in heavenly perfection as to be fit for the building up of the mystical city in a celestial and angelic, yea, divine manner, effulgent with the divinity. Therefore, he adds, having the glory of God, for the most holy soul of Mary was favored with such a participation of the divinity and of its attributes and perfections, that if it were possible to see her in her own essence, she would appear as if illumined with the eternal splendor of God himself, great, and, Psalm 86.3, glorious things are said in the Catholic Church of this city of God and of the splendor which she has received from the same Lord. But all of it is insignificant, and all human words fall short of the truth. The created intellect, entirely overcome, can but assert that the Most Holy Mary partakes of the divinity more than can be comprehended. Confessing thereby the substance of the reality, as well as the incapability of the mind to express in a proper manner that which it wishes to confess, she is formed in the heavens, and only the artificer who formed her is able to comprehend her greatness. He alone can estimate her origin and the affinity which he contracted with Most Holy Mary by perfecting her gifts to a semblance of the attributes of his infinite greatness and divinity. And the light thereof was like to a precious stone, the jasper stone, even as crystal. It is not so difficult to understand how she can be similar at the same time to two such dissimilar stones as crystal and jasper, as it is to understand how she can be similar to God. But from this comparison, we derive a certain understanding of similarity to God. 
the jasper sparkles and glitters in color of many different shades, while the crystal is characterized by limpid and uniform transparency. Both combined form a rare and beautiful variety. The most pure Mary in her formation was endowed with the variety of virtues and perfections, which the hand of God itself selected and interwove in her soul. These graces and perfections made her soul like unto a most pure crystal, without blemish or stain of guilt in her purity and transparency. It scattered the enrapturing rays of the divinity. Just as the crystal meeting the sun seems to absorb and again send forth its rays as if it were itself the sun. Nevertheless, this crystal jasper sparkles also in many colored hues, because she is the daughter of Adam, and a mere creature, and all the splendors of the divinity contained within her are only a participation. Although it appears to be a divine light, it is not a part of her nature, but communicated and conferred by grace. She is truly a creature formed and shaped by the hand of God himself, but a manner befitting one who was to be his mother." And it had a great wall, and a high, having twelve gates. The mysteries enclosed in the walls and portals of this mystical city, Most Holy Mary, are so hidden and great that I, an ignorant and obscure woman, can with difficulty reduce to words that which was shown to me. However, in order to proceed, at the first moment of the conception of the Most Holy Mary, when the divinity manifests itself to her in the vision above, referred to, the whole blessed trinity, as if renewing the ancient decrees of her creation and exaltation, made a kind of agreement or contract with this lady, without, however, making it fully known to her. It was as if the three divine persons conferred among themselves and spoke to each other in the following manner. It is befitting to the dignity of our bride and the mother of the word that she be constituted the queen and mistress of all creation. Beside the gifts and riches of the divinity which we give and confer upon her for her own sake, it is meet that she exercise the right of distributing the treasures of our mercy, so that she may communicate according to her pleasure the graces and favors necessary to mortals, especially to those who invoke her as her children and clients, thus enriching the needy, freeing the sinners, elevating the just, and affording a universal refuge to all men. And in order that all creatures may recognize her as their queen and mistress, and as the treasurer of our infinite bounties, from whence they are to be distributed, we entrust her with the keys of our will and heart. She shall be in all things the executrix of our pleasure toward the creatures. Above all, we shall give her... Above all, we shall give to her dominion and power over the dragon, our enemy, and over all his allied demons. Let them fear her presence and her name, and in it let their deceits be crushed and annihilated. Let all the mortals that fly to the city of refuge find in it a sure and certain protection, free from all the dread of the demons and their snares. Without revealing to the soul of the Most Holy Mary all that is contained in this decree or proposal, the Lord directed her in that first instant to pray with great love, to intercede for all the souls, and to solicit and procure for them eternal life, especially for those who in the course of their lives should commend themselves to her care. The Blessed Trinity made known to her that before his most just tribunal nothing would ever be denied to her, that she should command the devil and that she should have power by virtue of her commands to keep him away from souls, since she would have at her disposal the arm of the Almighty. 
But the reason of this favor was not made known to her, nor the reason for all her other gifts, and this reason was no other than that she was to be the mother of the word. In saying that this city was surrounded by a great and high wall, St. John refers to this God-given prerogative of his mother, that she was to be the secret refuge, protection, and defense of all men, wherein they would find all the security of a city of refuge and of a strong fortress against their enemies. To this powerful queen and lady of all creation and to the dispensatrix of all the treasures of heavenly grace, all the sons of Adam were to fly. He says that the walls are very high, for the power of the most pure Mary to overcome the demon and to raise the souls to grace is so great that it is inferior only to that of God himself. So well armed for all this, and so well defended and secure for herself, and for all those who seek her protection, is this city, that not all the forces created by God outside of her can overthrow or surmount its walls. Having twelve gates for the entrance into this holy city, is free to all nations and generations, excluding none, but inviting all, so that no one shall be deprived of the mediation of this Queen of Mercy, for obtaining the gifts and graces, nor the eternal glory of the Most High. In the gates were twelve angels. These twelve princes are those mentioned above as being among the ones selected as the guardians of the Mother of the Incarnate Word. The service of the twelve angels, besides attending to their queen, was to assist especially, and to defend those souls who devoutly call on Mary our queen for help, and who distinguish themselves in their devotion, veneration, and love for her. Therefore the evangelist says that he saw them in the gates of that city. They are the ministers, and as it were the servants, who are to help, encourage, and accompany the mortals in entering into the portals of piety, opened by the Most Holy Mary to eternal happiness. Many times does she send them with inspirations and favors in order to snatch those from the dangers of body and soul who invoke her and her devout servants. This concludes our reading today from the Mystical City of God for Day 34. We've read from Chapter 18, Paragraphs 265 to 273. Well, we have just heard a very beautiful reading which captured the magnificence of the Blessed Mother, how God uses her from her place in heaven. We heard that she is the dispenser of heavenly grace, this idea of her mediation of grace. And we've seen that evident in many different shrines throughout the world and in the individuals who call upon the Blessed Virgin Mary. Maria Vagrida today also said that everything that we say about her really pales in comparison to what we could say about her. She says, all of it is insignificant and all human words fall short of the truth. And that's a reality that we understand when we talk about God, that we can't describe fully the Godhead. We can't fully describe the heavenly things. Everything falls short until we are able to experience it ourselves in that kingdom of heaven. We also heard how Mary, again, is a refuge for those who are battling evil in their life, that she intercedes for all souls and to solicit and procure for them eternal life. This is one of the things that she does. She has power over the dragon, our enemy, and over all his allied demons. 
she should command the devil and that she should have power by virtue of her commands to keep him away from souls. These are all things that Maria Vagrida is sharing with us. And I remember reading in a book a while back that Mary is very powerful at the hour of death and that especially for a devout soul, the evil one wants to snatch that devout soul at the end of their life. And sometimes, you know, people have these experiences and their bystanders, their family members who are there are able to witness it. And so there is a battle for the soul at the end of life. And Mary comes, the soul devoted to Mary comes and advocates and defends and protects that person at the hour of their death. She was to be the secret refuge, protection, and defense of all men. That's who Mary is for us. She is our protector and our defender. She is our intercessor. I hope in your own life that you have experienced this power that we are beginning to learn about regarding the Blessed Mother, that as the city of God, the mystical city of God, that in this city of Mary, we can take our refuge, and it has these high walls, and we will be protected. I'm Father Edward Looney, and you have been listening to the Mystical City of God in your podcast. I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow as we pick up where we left off. May God bless you today and Mary pray for you.